Welcome to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Good Saturday morning to you. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. Bill, how are you doing today? Doing good. Hope you are, Jason. Bill, I'm doing wonderful. I'm excited for the program today (laughs) because Uh. on the list here, right at the top, it says pets and issues with gifting, and I am intrigued, Bill. Ah, okay. Well... You know, uh, an awful lot of us have four-legged children. That's right. And, you know, with four-legged children, they come with their own issues. But uh, truthfully, on my way over to the studio this morning, I dropped off my four-legged child uh, at at the vet's. And, you know, um, the, the truth is one of the things we've never really talked about is the fact that seniors – uh, most seniors enjoy their pets just as much as all the young people out there. Uh, and in fact, in, in many, many cases, the, the pet is a real stress reliever. The pet is wonderful. The pet is a companion. Uh, the, the pet, uh, uh, keeps loneliness from creeping in. Um, so, uh, you know, truthfully, they're important to us. And, and um, the, the fact is uh, that in many ways, they're not much different than two-legged children. <laughs> and, you know, um, in fact, this, in this past year, uh, we have uh, – a year ago, we had three – uh, dogs and um, truthfully, the the three every, each one of the dogs had their had uh, his or her own issues. Uh, had to go to the vet. All were on medication, and the truth of the matter is, they were more expensive than we were. I mean, their medications were more expensive. Their care was more expensive. You know, we were cheap. They were expensive. (laughs) So so number one is uh, if you're going to have a pet, you got a budget for uh, a pet. Uh, And uh, one of the things that uh, will sort of at least has sort of blown my mind uh, in in the past year because, you know, I don't give a whole lot of thought uh, to this sort of thing. But the, the veterinarians have figured this out. They, the veterinarians over the last few years have figured out that we want to take care of our pets the same way as we wanted to take care of our children, our two-legged children. So the fact is, is that, um, the, the veterinarians for, uh, you know, uh, typical pets like dogs and cats, uh, particularly, um, it's not animal care anymore, and it's not charged like just regular old uh, animal care. Uh, it's charged like child care. <laughs> and so, you know, we we had uh, 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 one, you know, a sixteen-year-old dog that passed away this past year at the beach, uh, and, and uh, so. Um, the, the the dog just couldn't get up, and it, you know it it was time, uh, and so we uh, it was an emergency, so we had to find a uh, a vet 
at the beach uh, that was not our regular vet. And it, it wasn't as difficult as all that. In fact, it, it was just a wonderful experience uh, in terms of how they took care of us. Um, uh, but uh, – and the, the fact is uh, the, the, um, the, the, the dog was cremated and to our surprise – uh, you know, when we went back to to get the bill taken care of, we had the most beautiful box with the dog's name on it presented to us. Um, totally out of our, I mean, total surprise. We, of course, we ended up paying for it. We paid out the yang for it, <laughs> but they took care of us. And and so what I'm getting at is. Um, uh, you know, it, it was they they tr- treated the dog the same way uh, a person w- would be treated with, you know, I won't say exactly the like expenses, but it was not the typical put the put the dog down kind of of uh, of pricing, if you will. And so, it, I mean, and, and I don't, I mean, it was a hard time for us emotionally and that sort of thing. But it, it's. Um, uh, what I'm getting at is the fact that dog medication is and cats, uh, it, it, it's expensive. I mean, we had one dog with allergies and another dog with a heart condition, and <laughs> you know, we knew more about their health than our own health. Um, but but the bottom line is is that uh, they're important to us and they are expensive. Uh, they're not. They're not cheap, uh, you know. My my wife even prepares uh, uh, their own dog food for, for the dogs, um, you know, because they won't eat the cheap dog food anymore. <laughs> and the truth is, if you got hungry, you could eat it because uh, it's human food. Uh, <laughs> so uh, the bottom line is, they're a big part of our lives, and it's something that we have to plan for. So in terms of legal planning, I mean, there's family planning involved. It's like, okay, if something happens to us, I mean, we know that if we go on a trip, we have to find child care for the dogs, you know, board the dogs, those kind of things. And they have to have all their shots and everything has to be just right. And, of course, the uh, this morning when I went took the dog to the vet, uh, can you guess what it was for? It was to have – his teeth cleaned <laughs> you know when we were when we had little kids we used to sing this song i want to have dog breath <laughs> want to have fur on my face <laughs> and so bottom, bottom line is this dog had real bad dog breath and so um so the dog's gone to the the vet to have teeth clean and hopefully come back with nice dog breath (laughs) seems like a a wonderful life you get meals prepared you get your teeth brushed for you exactly it's it's, it's nice uh yeah and 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 in fact your wardrobe uh, consists of what a collar collar that's it (laughs) so not bad on that um okay so what are some of the things that we need to think about as it relates to our pets i mean we're mid-summer at this point, mid-July, is that not crazy? This year's flying by. Well, you know, uh, obviously one of the things that is really tragic is when uh, folks uh, leave their children, two-legged or four-legged, in a hot car. 
even for a few minutes, uh, a car can go from you know seventy degrees to one hundred and twenty degrees pretty darn fast. Uh, I know when we were traveling uh, a week ago and we stopped for uh, lunch, um, you know it was. 90 some degrees and so we left the car running with the air conditioner (laughs) going because there was no way for us to stop unless we did that but there are lots and lots of folks who make a horrible mistake of just going in for a few minutes and then tragedy strikes because of it so that's something that we all know that we have to avoid Um, but from a legal perspective what about if you get to a point where you can't take care of your pet you, or you die? You, you basically have to have some plan in place that someone, whether it's a, uh, one of your family members or a neighbor or someone, will make sure that your pet is taken care of uh, uh, at, your, at your death. Um, and then uh, short-term and long-term. You know, you have both both issues to concern yourself with. And, you know, uh, frankly, for most families, it's not a big issue. Uh, there is someone local who um, knows about the pet and will make sure that the pet's taken care of, but not everybody. And so uh, sometimes formal arrangements need to be made. And there are most folks um, – love their pets, and they want to make sure that their pets actually have a good life upon our own death. They don't want the the pet just taken to the pound um, because we know what happens there. And and so um, is there something you can do? Yes, you can uh, obviously do it the simple way, basically bribe somebody uh, by offering them, uh, you know, a certain amount of money. Uh, to um, take take in the pet, uh, and it's based on the honor system. Now, the honor system is not a great way to do things, but it works for some folks, doesn't work for others. But you don't know that it's going to work necessarily unless you know the, the person extremely well and you know th- that th- there are honorable people that will do what they promise to do. Um, but, you, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, honor system is is not really a good way to go uh, if you can do it a different way. And actually, you can do it a different way. You can do what's – in North Carolina, a pet trust is a um, something that you can do so that you can set up a, a, a contractual arrangement in your trust to actually uh, pay the expenses or pay for the care uh, of your pet for as long as they live. And so obviously uh, it requires some uh, decision-making. How much money uh, are you going to put aside for that? Those kind of things. But, uh, yeah, a pet trust works. Uh, and for those folks um, uh, who – particularly who don't have two-legged children – um, a pet trust is oftentimes a, a good solution for those folks uh, so that you know that if something happens to you that your pets are well taken care of. And so I'm, I know I have a whole lot of fun, but, you know, pets are important to me too. But you don't think about how expensive they can be and the fact that you actually need to plan for them the same way you plan for your two-legged children. 
and uh, so there's some other issues with with uh, our our pets that uh, I want to cover, but I know we have to take a break. We do, and uh, I'm interested to learn more about pet trusts and other issues that we may encounter with our four-legged friends. So stick around. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. You can find more about Bill online at WGALaw.com. That's Bill's website, WGALaw.com. There you can find plenty of information about the services Bill offers. You can also register for next month's free seminar, and you can also find information about Bill's podcast, the Asset Protection Today podcast right now we're talking about pets and issues with gifting and bill you just explained what a pet trust is and i i had never heard of that before but it's it's interesting and i think that uh you know if more people knew about it it'd probably be fairly popular well uh you know i I do think people have most people have heard heard of them and they don't know if they're legal or not legal or just Whatever, but quite frankly, in North Carolina, a pet trust uh, you can you can cre- create uh, a contract that's perfectly valid for the benefit of your uh, pets. Uh, not true in every state, but most states do authorize it without any significant I- issues. Now, uh, one of the interesting things about families—I uh, should say, singles or couples that only have four-legged children. In other words, no two-legged children, only four-legged children. Um, They have um, a different kind of of planning issue for themselves, and that is uh, what are they going to do with their money uh, and property upon their death because they don't have lineal descendants. They don't have children or grandchildren, but they do have pets. And so uh, oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes, uh, these are the folks who often do want to make sure that their uh, four-legged children are cared for. And oftentimes, they will do a pet trust uh, because they also recognize they have the additional burden of, of finding a friend or neighbor or someone who will agree in advance to take care of their pets when uh, something bad happens to them. And, of course, um, they have to make those arrangements if they end up going to the hospital, you know, or uh, they, you know, because it's not unusual for folks to end up in the hospital and then in a nursing home rehab for a few weeks. So they might be gone for a month or two between the hospitalization and rehab uh, where they don't have the opportunity to take care of a pet. So they have to make arrangements for that. Um, but they also have to make arrangements if, if their departure is permanent. <laughs> and uh, um, so that, that's uh, why it can be uh, so important for these families. Uh, but number one is to identify who's going to – Take care of things upon your um, uh, having problems yourself. 
Um, and, and it's always good to have an alternate because sometimes folks with good intentions say, oh, yes, I'll step up, I'll do it. Their circumstances change. They get sick. They move away. They – um, you know, they, they get to the point where they're not capable of, of doing what they promised to do a few years ago. So having an alternate is always important as well. Um, and, you know, that's, it's going to be unique to each family as to how they, they do that. But, um, uh, what they do with their money upon their death, of course, um, mo- most families, uh, this may surprise you, it may not, but truth is most families are not charitably inclined. In other words, they don't leave any portion of their estate to any kind of charity. Who do they leave it to, Jason? Family. Yeah, exactly. They leave it to their children mm-hmm. and grandchildren particularly. But folks who have only four-legged children really don't have that and uh you know obviously pets don't have the same life expectancies and and uh you know they most of our pets are neutered so we're not looking at you know procreation and generations of pets (laughs) things like that so um uh, oftentimes it is the folks with pets and no children no no two-legged children that um are inclined to leave money to charity. And and actually, at least in my uh, almost 44 years of experience practicing law, um, they're the most likely candidates to leave a significant portion of their estate to charity. Um, and I will say this. Um, one charity that always – seems to be part of the um, solution for these children has to do with taking care of pets you know all, <clears throat> and so SPCA and and uh, some other organizations similar um, tend to get the lion's share of this money and and I have to admit my own prejudice when it comes to this because while I don't mind, uh, a little bit of money, or I mean, truthfully, clients can leave their money any to any person or any charity that they're inclined to. But the fact of the matter is, when I see these sad advertisements on television begging for money from these same organizations, these organizations are filthy rich <laughs> with high administrative costs. And from my perspective, I, I hate to see the lion's share of a state charity um, going to those organizations. If they weren't – if their coffers weren't full already, I would feel differently. But there's so many human charities, uh, you know, like two-legged children – that need assistance, and and so I, frankly, in my own practice, the the, my, the mantra that I use for charitable planning is, "What are you passionate about?" You know, if you're not passionate about anything, find something to be passionate about. Uh, <laughs> you know, find something that you enjoy. Now, obviously, pets are give us a great joy. Um, and so it's okay for that to be part of the solution, but it shouldn't be the only solution. There's there's so many others, um, you know. Uh, and so I th- I think it really is important for th- for folks to think about uh, uh, needs that go beyond um, you know your home your own home 
when it comes to charitable planning. And, and uh, you know, to me, it doesn't matter where it goes, but I, I do think it's important for folks to really think about those kind of things and think about the the issues that um, face uh, us as a population and, and the things that you might be able to do about it uh, that will make a huge difference. Now, um, obviously, uh, uh, there uh, there is an important topic that I want to get to when when we come back from break, and that has to do with the dynamics of gifting. Because gifting is important to us, and this is for folks that with two-legged children as well as four-legged children um, and grandchildren and the like in terms of, okay, how do you do it? What's the best way to do it? Uh, And what are some of the implications when you do it wrong? Yeah, that could be a scary situation as there are many pitfalls when it comes to gifting. And we're going to get into that right after this. Stick around. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. And Bill, just before the break, we were uh, going to get into a discussion on gifting. And you know, this is, of course, so very important because many of us have an idea of what we want to do with our money and you know, passing things on. But it's it's not very simple, is it? Well, there are a lot of issues that go along with gifting. I mean, there are many, many folks um, as seniors uh, and actually before that, that uh, folks just have a hard time telling their children or grandchildren no, Um, you know, and and that is no, I can't give you anything. uh, but and and that can be really difficult for folks. But the fact is, is that children, and particularly grandchildren, but greedy children, and there are lots of them out there. They don't care if the gift that they're asking for is going to put you, you, the giver, in a predicament. In other words, they're more concerned with their own situation than with yours, or they just blindly don't realize that you don't have enough to make a gift that's requested. And, and of course, uh, that can be uh, hugely detrimental to the senior who makes a gift when they really can't afford to uh, make a gift because it's a dynamic where you want to make a gift, but at the same time, you're also worried about running out of money. And uh, there are always um, financial surprises, things that we don't expect that cost a whole lot more than we ever might expect it to do. Um, And oftentimes we have to count on others. Um, Even if we in our earlier years were able to do a whole lot of things ourselves, oftentimes in our later years we have to hire somebody to do even some simple things. And the fact is, is that uh, folks with modest nest eggs 
have to be careful about gifting because, number one, they could – they're more likely to run out of money if they're generous uh, in their gifting to their children and grandchildren while they're alive. You know, they have an option. They can make a big gift at their death to their children and grandchildren uh, when they don't have to worry about running out of money anymore. Uh, that, and that – but the other issue is this. Folks with modest nest eggs oftentimes are are the ones who need help financially, need help the most when it comes to long-term care, uh, receiving Medicaid, receiving special assistance, receiving uh, VA pension benefits. They all have rules that are against gifting. In other words, if you give money away, the presumption is you've given it away in order to become eligible for these programs. So they have penalties in place and look-back periods. And so uh, if you have a modest nest egg and you've given a, a, a portion to your uh, child or children or grandchildren – uh, then you may just have um, uh, made yourself um, where uh, you uh, can't get assistance when you actually need assistance yourself. So a gifting has a real negative impact on seniors uh, that give away too much and then run the risk of running out of the money, particularly if they have the added expense of long-term care, which can be Five, six, seven, eight thousand dollars a month, um, you know, which is more than virtually anybody can afford. Um, so that is a huge risk of gifting. All right. Now, the the myth with gifting is, oh, if I give everything away now. In a few years, I'll be eligible for government, and the government's going to take care of me in my old age. And that's a huge myth. Oh, man, people get in trouble with that um, for a lot of reasons. But the the fact is is that um, most folks with modest income are not eligible for government assistance unless – Heaven forbid they actually need nursing care, you know, which is the the one place that every senior wants to avoid. I don't want to go to a nursing home, and I I'm with them on that. But uh, but the fact is that um, the the great majority one of the reasons our seminars are so important is to be able to tell folks to figure out whether or not. Any government assistance is available to them prior to needing nursing care. You know, everybody wants to stay at home, but very few folks are eligible. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, very few folks are eligible for assistance at, at levels of care uh, prior to nursing care. In other words, having somebody come into your home or even going to assisted living. Uh, they're not eligible uh, for any kind of government assistance. Now, some of our veterans, war period veterans and their spouses and widows, if they have um, need assistance, uh, we can get them some help from the VA normally. But again, even with that, gifting can be problematic where it limits when they can actually receive 
the assistance. So knowledge is everything, and that's one thing. That's the reason I encourage folks to come to our seminars. Of course, we just had the last one uh, <clears throat> last Wednesday, so the next one will, won't come around until the second Wednesday of August. Um, but th- those gifting issues are, are uh, particularly uh, significant. Now, there are other issues that and that I, I know we need to take a break because you're looking at me funny, but um, uh, that have to do with taxes. And so I want to when we come back, I want to talk about that. Those are important. And again, if you are interested in attending Bill's seminar next month, the next one is in August, August the 14th. You can go online to WGALaw.com, Bill's website. From there, you can register for uh, one of the three seminars that are being held that day. Again, WGALaw.com. It's free to attend. We do ask that you register in advance. You can also call the office at 919 256 7,000, 919-256-7,000 or online at WGALaw.com. A quick break and back with more. Stick around. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Gong here with Bill Alexander, and uh, we're having a discussion on gifting right now. And Bill, just before the break, we we're going to get into some taxation issues when it comes to gifting. Well, it's it's important because uh, some some folks uh, are capable of giving away cash uh, to their children and grandchildren, which is great for the children and grandchildren if you got plenty of money to do that. Uh, but an, another issue is um, uh, a concept of I want to give away my home in order to protect it. And that's one of the worst mistakes that many seniors make uh, because uh, now obviously they can do that, but obviously, but they lose control of their home if they should do it. Uh, early on, uh, 20 years ago, I had a case where uh, mom and dad uh, gifted their home to one of their two daughters and then re- – but they reserved a life estate. Okay, I get that. They were basically thinking that they would might have uh, long-term care needs and they wanted to protect their home to make sure that their the value of their home went to their children at their death. Well – Dad died, you know, never never needed government assistance, but mom was still living at home and needed assistance. And she had – she ran out of money, no nest egg whatsoever. And guess what? Her income was too high to receive the program for assisted living, which is called special assistance. Most people call it Medicaid, which is an error. But whether you call it Medicaid or special assistance, the lady needed care outside her home, and she didn't qualify for assistance. Uh, now, uh, your home is an exempt asset, and even though they and they had deeded it to the daughter ten years earlier, but guess what? So she only had two options to get the care she needed. It was either to sell the home 
and use the money to go to assisted living or to mortgage the home where she could get care. Um, and she could have gotten a traditional mortgage or even a reverse mortgage and solved her problem. But guess what? The daughter to whom they had uh, given the life estate refused to help. And, you know, threats were made and all this other stuff. But the bottom line is the daughter was in control and she just wasn't going to help her mom. And whether it was the influence of her spouse or whatever, we don't know. But the bottom line is the lady never got the assistance she needed. So she had to depend on her church and Meals on Wheels and things like that just to survive. And that's a tragedy uh, in terms of, uh, of a bad example. But, but l- let's say, uh, I mean, you have to understand this. If you just give your home willy-nilly, you're giving up your tax exemption if you ever need to sell your house. In other words, you've given your house to your son or daughter or both of them. Uh, and then later, after you've made the gift, you think, oh, I need to downsize. I need to sell the house. I need to move to independent living or I have to go to assisted living. Uh, so we need to sell the house to help me pay for these expenses. Well, fact is that if the house was in your name, you would have, uh, if you're married, a $500,000 exemption from taxation. If you're single, it's $250,000, and that's over and above your tax basis in the house. So in essence, most folks can sell their house with no income tax whatsoever. But once they've given it to their child, the child has your income tax basis is what – that's the amount that you paid for your home, which is typically a lot lower than what it's worth now. And when they sell the the house on your behalf, they have to pay capital gains tax. Um, So – and you have to pay North Carolina income tax as well. So in essence, um, you lose a lot of the cash that you would have been able to receive if you had kept the house yourself. Now, the other thing about it is let's say that You've given the house to your children, uh, and uh, then you die, and they, they none of the children want to live in the house, so they want to sell the house. Well, you've also given your children a tax, an income tax burden that they would not have had if if they had inherited the house, because when you make a gift, whether it's real estate, your home. Uh, or whether, it, let's say, it's uh, you bought Microsoft thirty years ago, and now it's worth a, you know a million dollars, and you had you know five dollars invested. <laughs> well, if a child inherits, they get at your death what's called a step up in income tax basis, so they can sell that property at your death that they've inherited with no income tax at all because it steps up to the fair market value at the date of death. But if you've given it to them already, oh, I just want you to have this. Here it is. If you've given it to them already, then they have the same basis, tax basis, that you had when you acquired. So in essence, they will pay the capital gains tax 
because you gave it to them, they don't get a step up in basis and so they have to pay income tax where if you had done it the right way, they would have not had to pay any income tax at all. And and that's really, really sad when that scenario occurs. And unfortunately, I see it occur more often than I would like to. And so it's just the warning. Gifting uh, can be problematic. Most attorneys will not warn you of the issues you're creating uh, with income tax. You know, if you go to a real estate attorney and say, I want a deed to transfer my house to my children, they'll prepare you a deed to transferring the house to your children. You know, they're not going to say, ooh, wait a minute, this, this might be a bad idea. Uh, did you know that this was going to cause this problem or that problem with taxes or uh, with long-term care benefits or anything else? Because most real estate attorneys don't know what the tax code is or what the long-term care rules are as it relates to gifting. And so you can't advise people on stuff you don't know about. And so, <laughs> so what I'm getting at is most folks will go to a real estate attorney in order to prepare a deed if that's what they really want to do. And and I, I can't tell you how many I've undone after the fact because it was a mistake to begin with. And so it's it's really important for folks to understand the dynamics of the type of gifting uh, that they're talking about. Um, and also you have to understand the dynamics of who you're making gifts to. Sometimes p- folks will make gifts to their children realizing that the, the children aren't going to spend that money, that they're going to keep it uh, and, and uh, could – uh, help you in the future if you had a problem. Now, that is not going to happen when you make gifts to grandchildren. <laughs> that money's going to be gone. So you just have to understand. And then some some family members uh, actually do have the financial wherewithal to to do what we call gift backs that for long-term care planning purposes can can rectify the the problems that we have created. That's another thing that we talk about in our seminars as to how to rectify the problems that families create uh, prior to knowing that they're going to have long-term uh, care issues um, because that's all part of the planning process when you, when you need Medicaid or special assistance or uh, veterans' benefits. Yeah, having that all in order is important, and this whole – area of gifting is is very complex and if you have an idea of what you want to do and you do want some professional guidance get a hold of bill call the office to schedule an appointment 919-256-7000 919-256-7000 or go online to wgalaw.com as we've discussed so far this morning there's uh there's many pitfalls and the whole issue of family dynamics and making sure that you have a good grasp of your situation and knowing what is available to you is so important 919-256-7000 or online at wgalaw.com a quick break and back with more. Stick around. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF.
are listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. And Bill, we're, we've ha- we're having a fascinating discussion on gifting, and I know there's a couple more items you wanted to get to before we head out today. Uh, absolutely. I want to talk about grandparent gifting. You know, typically uh, parents. Uh, when when we're talking about gifting regarding their children, uh, about all that they can do uh, is to put money aside in one pocket or another uh, f- for the children's education. You, you don't tend to see much more on the part of parents uh, than doing that, and that's a pretty significant thing. Now, for grandparents, uh, now, and here again, I'm talking about those grandparents who have – uh, a pl- plentiful nest egg, and they want to do things for their uh, ch- their grandchildren and their children, and they also want to. Uh, they they realize that they don't have the the issue with running out of money, uh, and so they can be generous. And the typical thing, and this is what I want to get people away from. Uh, I I think it's a wonderful thing. But uh, it shouldn't be an exclusive thing, and that is uh, most grandparents, when they think about what kind of gift they want to do for their grandchildren, it's to help them with educational expenses so they can go to college or graduate school of some kind. And so uh, the typical grandparent gift is to a 529 plan, which is an educational plan uh, for the benefit of their grandchildren. There are types of gifts that grandparents can make um, that would be of significant value uh, to the children over the long term. And they're long-term investments. Um, and, and what I show folks uh, frequently as an option for them to look at is a life insurance policy that's designed not for death benefit but for cash value buildup. And what I have seen is the right kind of investment can take, uh, and it's asset protected. It's not considered by uh, AFC for school, um, and it grows tax-free. It pays out tax-free, uh, and you can borrow against it's tax-free. It's a life insurance policy that is designed for cash value buildup, and that can actually establish a retirement plan for a child, which is pretty amazing. But the types of gifts that people can make, they really should consider some optional type gifts. If you have grandchildren that are older, help them with a Roth IRA. There's nothing better than a Roth IRA. And then you're limited to $5,500 in terms of helping them. But what 18-year-old is going to contribute to a Roth IRA? Nobody. But that is the very best time that they could actually establish a Roth because guess where their tax rate is when they're young? It's down near zero. So establishing a Roth at that time uh, that can be held for many, many years is absolutely terrific. That's great advice. And again, some options for the grandparents out there thinking of how they may make, may want to make a gift to their grandchildren. We are out of time for today. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you'll do it again next Saturday morning at 11. It's Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Have a wonderful weekend.